lemonade budget for champagne social butterflies. The aspirational podcast for hopeless people, just like your host, Donna Scott, who thinks we're on episode 17, but is nuts at the moment, so isn't sure about anything. Seriously, guys, I'm blaming the menopause for this, but I am crazy at the moment. I don't trust myself to do a damn thing. And it's all come at totally the wrong time of year. I mean, I'm filling in a personal development plan at work. It's huge. It's the biggest like spreadsheet I've filled in about me ever. I mean, come on, the BBC only wanted a paragraph. I've got to like write all of this stuff about my goals. I seem to like, be rephrasing everything as well, sort of like name five skills you want, name five needs you have, name five goals, name name us do a smart thing, which I thought was the same as what we got in Weight Watchers, because so that's um, specific, attainable, and then R, yeah. So, but no, smart was also measurable. So specific measurable, attainable, T, wherever the T is, uh, time, something about time, yeah, I, I've, I've completely lost it, and you might as well just talk about, you know, the future, um, and time travel for me, because I don't know, what's the other one, smart, no, that is it, that is it, that is it, anyway, what are my smart points? as opposed to my star points, which apparently don't involve measurements because um, Weight Watchers don't want you to measure yourself. I think that's fair enough. I mean, they're, all the, they're taking your weight all the time and asking you to log all your points. Uh, so I suppose anything, anything more demanding than that is a bit much. Anyway, it's taken me about five attempts to try and fill in this grid with my points on it because every time I try and fill it in, I get so maudlin. <laughs> I was like, two months ago, I was just going to have a show on the BBC. I mean, that was, you know, going to be an attainment. That was a goal and an attainment and a prize and a nice surprise all at once. And now, mundane. Uh, What are my mundane life goals? My mundane life. And it makes you feel very maudlin and sad and retrospective in quite the wrong way and then you you fill in stuff going yes I'd really like to be more organized whereas what I've done is I've, I've had to reflect kind of more or less on my life and and this forced introspection has made me look at my comedy life as well and I didn't want to do that I'm ticking along quite nicely <laughs> I don't want to think about things going wrong But I've thought one of the big things that's in my way is my commute to work. I've got to do something about it. And this practice has actually made me realise that too much of my day is eaten up with getting to and from work. And I've been getting quite sad about that. I've been really anxious. Because, I mean, you heard me moaning the other week about the buses. Oh, today I got to the bus stop and flipping bus driver was on time he's been you know half an hour late every day last week but today he made an effort he was on time he had his little indicator flashing at the bus stop 
I start scooting down the hill and 80 minutes past seven off he goes and he saw me he saw me git waved at me do you know what this is it's because I've complained haven't I I've complained about them idling the bus over the side of the road while we're while we're all waiting to go to work and that I've done that on Twitter and I've, I've emailed them as well about um, the other week when the bus driver blithely drove around the bus station after we were very very late get back into Northampton and just casually dropped us off in the middle of a stabbing at McDonald's which we could see going on I mean I mean I'd finished but it was at that point where the police were just shoving the crowds away good grief ha oh thing is Northampton's getting a reputation now Somebody at work said to me, said like, oh, there's been another stabbing your way, hasn't there, in Northampton? And I said, is there? And I was worried, because when I left the house this morning, there was all police tape in my street. Um, not round in a specific house. It looked like somebody had bundled it up and put it in a bin. And the wind had just blown it out of the bin. So it was all blown down my street. But there must have been something going on fairly local. So I was like, oh... Whereabouts in Northampton? Because there may have been an incident near me that I completely missed. And my colleague looked it up and she said Rushton. And I'm like, oh, that's flipping nowhere near. That's more near Alex B. Money Green territory, that is. Rushton, it's a bit of a destination now because they've got a big sports direct there. <laughs> yeah, all the shops are in Rushton now. There's no shops in Northampton. But there are a few. There's some lovely vintage shops and that. But... Even Peacocks has gone now. I mean, good grief, if we can't maintain the Peacocks, it's turned into a flipping pound shop. Anyway, back to me being nuts. I am so crazy at the moment. I think it might be my menopause. Oh, God help us all. So I finished this personal development plan that I was writing for my review this year. And I was thinking, finally, I was able to finish it. And I feel really good about finishing it because... I've had to be in the frame of mind where I'm feeling quite positive to get on with it. And hooray, today I'm feeling quite positive. And then I've realised, I've looked back at it, I've basically pledged to buy a bike. <laughs> what is wrong with me? Uh, because I'm not confident enough to drive, I swear I'll buy a bike. Oh my god. Oh... Because, you know, guys, I, I got knocked off my bike a couple of years ago and I have ridden my bike a couple of times since then, but it's a real hassle getting it out. So I don't bother. <laughs> I just walk everywhere. And the idea of cycling in this oh, terrible, terrible world it fills me with dread and fear. And what else have I put on my plan? Stuff about, oh, I want to stay healthy. This will help towards my health goals. Well, have, have I been brainwashed? Listen, future me, listening back to this. I've had a lucky escape this year. Really have, and I know this. But my body decided to grow weird things. And that was not my fault. It just happened. And I can say, well, I'm, I've got health goals and I want to maintain my health and all of that. But, you know... As long as I'm not drinking bleach, I'm only really... I'm just normal. It's, it's like I shouldn't really put any great onus on myself 
to like stay healthy. That's another feel like I've got to do it. I've got to stay in control. I'm just losing it. But I have joined Weight Watchers and I love the app. Oh, so like if you are on YouTube, there's a guy and he does weeks on diets and they're all nuts. He hates vegetables and the last one he did was Weight Watchers on the app, uh, which his missus was already on. And poor bloke comments under his YouTubes because he's done all these diets now and he's pretty near his target weight. So he's only got like, he's only like two pounds off his target weight. So he's looking quite thin, <laughs> where you'd expect to be. This is the point where we all get when we're in our weight loss journeys, which people say to us, well, you've lost enough now. Um, and we might actually only be a BMI of like 27 or something. But then we go, all oh, right, then I'll, I'll, I'll have some chocolate. And we go off the wagon and then all of a sudden we're obese again. Hooray. Yeah, because I, before... I had Eric removed, I was obese. Um, and I suppose really it wasn't my fault that I was obese either because most of it was Eric, but I had him removed and I'm still about a stone overweight. And you know, I feel alright-ish, I mean apart from the bits that don't work. But you know, I, look, I think I look fine. <laughs> don't look teenage anymore, or a little waif, but... Like a little wafer. But, you know, I look, I look normal. But I thought, you know, we'll get into a healthy BMI. Bit of control. So I've joined Weight Watchers. And I have, this week, lost three and a half pounds. Thank you very much. Yeah. Ooh. Three and a half pounds. Uh, so I was very happy. And determined to celebrate that by going to watch the cheesiest of films. You know, I was mentioning last week that the worst film I'd seen for quite some time, and then he didn't even, didn't even finish it, was The Night Before Christmas. With some sloppy blonde chap. Where's the horse? Where did the horse go? What are you wearing? Um, that guy. I've been reading these reviews of Last Christmas, starring Daenerys Targaryen and Emma Thompson and Osgood from Doctor Who. Uh, good grief. And Rob Delaney and Peter Serafinowicz. So it's a few good people in it, and the premise is so cheese. I had to go and watch it, so I went to go and see it. And if you've seen the trailers, then you will know there's no great M Night Shyamalan. I mean, it's like an M Night Shyamalan kind of thing meets Richard Curtis, but it's good. It's ignore the reviews. There were so many. Guardian reviews that say, oh, this is artistically bereft. Of course it is. It's a flipping Christmas film. It's cheesy. It's based on the lyrics of a song taken literally. So what are you expecting? <laughs> I think I saw Hadley Freeman. I mean, I like what Hadley Freeman writes, but she says, oh, it's no Kaiser so say moment. Come on, really? <laughs> I am Kaiser Sose and so is my wife. No, Daenerys Targaryen is a vulnerably housed person. She's not re really as homeless because she does know, she does have somewhere she can go home. 
but she spends her life crashing from sofa to sofa and she's burning bridges faster than she can mend them and she's working in a shop that is a Christmas shop all year round and it used to be something that she was really good at but she's a bit pants now because she's just constantly pissed um, trying to make the best of her life and the reason her life has gone crazy is because she's gone a bit nuts after an operation I mean that doesn't sound like plausible at all I've even been going around sort of singing Last Christmas I gave you my Eric and the very next thing you chopped him up and tested him for cancer. Cheery. And yeah, so she meets this guy who turns her life around. You know what the, the plot of the film is already. It's obvious. And I won't say any more because you know how I always say I'm never going. I'm not going to spoil it, so I don't tell you anything about film plots or anything. You know, you know what the plot of this film is, but I'm still not going to tell you because I don't want to be that person. Because I tell you what it was like. I suspended my disbelief, like I was holding it over the bridge in Bristol, <laughs> threatening it with dropping it. There you go, disbelief. Hang over there for a moment. I suspended it big time and I immersed myself in the romance, all the good-looking guys. She was just shagging. Oh, yeah, we noticed. She's, you don't see her naked at all. There's so many just-had-sex scenes, but there's, there's like no need there's no need and it also I think it would detract from the funny because she's just she's just a beautiful girl um, and we don't need to see her being sexy we just need it to see her being naughty <laughs> uh, which she is she's a naughty girl the film is pure cheese but I'm there and the tears are streaming down my streaming down my face I mean it might be because I'm nuts but oh my god I was so affected and we left the cinema and I was like I'm crying I am crying (laughs) I need a drink and you know I can't drink so we went for a drink that uh, made me very very poorly Uh, I think I was back home at half past nine ridiculous Went out, saw people, I had a couple of ciders and those ciders went into my Weight Watchers app and they've left me with very little to work with this week. Because <laughs> I've got another flipping meal on Wednesday and we've had to pre-order and it comes to 31 points. So I'm trying to desperately claw back points today and tomorrow. Did they even say the name of that guy on YouTube? Mike Jevons. Mike Jevons is his name. He tests shit and he loses weight on diets. Anyway, that's what prompted me to join Weight Watchers. <laughs> but he doesn't even eat vegetables. I've discovered so many vegetables. I wasn't eating enough vegetables before when I was just doing um, calorie counting. So did a great job of maintaining on calorie counting. But not enough vegetables. So doing that now. Oh, and a quote from Neil in that film. 
Oh, no, I didn't realise it was Andrew Ridgely. I thought you squeezed my thigh because you were being emotional. I was being emotional. And it was Andrew Ridgely. <laughs> anyway, this film, Last Christmas, is now my favourite Christmas film. Well, after Die Hard, of course. But it's now my favourite Christmas film. And it's even going to beat The Holiday with Kate Winslet. Which, as you know, is when Kate Winslet and Cameron Diaz swap houses. Because Kate Winslet lives in a little cottage in Surrey. And Cameron Diaz lives in a swanky Californian mansion. And they swap so that Kate Winslet doesn't have to float around on icy water anymore. Damn it, I've got to concede my little sister, who loves George Michael, was right. His lyrics are great. What a good songwriter he was. And people have said, I've seen this, people have said, you people on Facebook, you have said, I've read it, that you think Last Christmas is the worst song he ever wrote. No, no, I point you to bad boys having fun on the run, or whatever that thing is like. Crazy crazy legs on the run. One, two, take a look at you. Boom, boom. That, that one. That one's terrible. Bad boy rap. That's what it is. Bad, bad boy rap. Do I can't even say it. Flipping rap. <laughs> anyway, I've got a couple of gigs coming up this week, which should be cool. So, it's Wednesday. I'm in Leighton Buzzard at the Sun Inn again. So, going to be trying out some new material there. Uh, say new material I tried some of it out on Dudley last week um, and I need to work on it <laughs> before I <laughs> I mean they loved me and Dudley they loved me uh, you might have seen Sham Zaman he Sham he's he's put um, some pictures of me up saying that I was tearing it up at the old foundry thank you very much Sham so Sham did an amazing set as well he's very surreal <laughs> but I love getting compliments it's nice Shout out to Freddie Farrell as well for being nice about me on Twitter earlier this week. Uh, Freddie Farrell also does a podcast called Bluff. Better listen, you fucking fools. Or better listen, better listen, you fucking fools. Um, which he does things like that every week. Uh, so yeah, and he does, he does lots of weird news. So have a listen to his podcast as well. So yeah, so that is on Wednesday, Leighton Buzzard, and then I've got a big deal in Saffron Walden on Friday, which will be nice. Just got a message today from Jason Stamp, who runs it. Ben Aveling's on a... I'm a flipping. I see Ben more than members of my own family at the moment. That <laughs> uh, so I'm... Sorry, I'm giving Comedy Crate a miss tonight because I've got so much to do. But there's Ben Aveling there, Ben Briggs and John Pearson. So um, so those three and maybe Chris Norton Walker. And then running up to that would probably be Pete Tetman. The people I see the most often. Oh, and then maybe Alex B. Money Green. These are the people I see the most often. <laughs> In comedy. 
Anyway, I hope it doesn't go as weird as some of the comedy gigs I have been reading about recently. We've, I mean, we're not heading into Comedy Black Friday yet. But we're getting close, aren't we? <laughs> I, last week, when we were in Dudley... Oh, God. I never mentioned this last last week's podcast. I completely set down my head because I was thinking about the weird stuff that has been happening to Nish Kumar and all sorts but um yeah so last week when I was in Dudley I went to the loo before the gig started and I could hear these girls in the loo and they were very very young and they were very very drunk and they were they were like emoting and one was kind of trying to placate the other but she wasn't doing a very good job of placating her she was going oh I'm having a bad time Oh, I hate, I hate Jack. I hate him. And that turns turns out to be the girl's boyfriend. But her friend, who was a rubbish placator, was saying stuff to her like, "Oh, you're just acting up, because it's been your dad's funeral today." Come on, come on, dry your eyes. There's going to be comedy on. I thought, oh my god, they're coming to the comedy. <laughs> very, very drunk girls who've just been to her funeral. And then afterwards, she was, like, she was saying, oh, you watch this comedy and afterwards I'll, I'll take you home. We can, you know, have a cup of tea and I'll put a film on for you. It can be any film you like. I'm like thinking, take her home now. No, just just put on the Gremlins or something. Put on Lab... No, that's Gremlins. That's a bad choice because it's about dad, a dead dad, Donna, at Christmas. <laughs> Why would I just leap on that exact wrong film? Oh my life. What's a nice film to watch when you're grieving? I don't know, but just don't go to a comedy night. And they came and sat they sat in the front row, didn't they? <laughs> uh and Danny Clives, he was the first act on and he he was basically just turned round and he said to this girl, So how are you? <laughs> so this girl was going I'm alright, but it's been me dad's funeral today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my life. And then she and her friend and all the lads that they've been talking about who are playing pool behind them, they were noisy. Then they started arguing and they had to be kicked out. Oh, good grief. Don't lie! (laughs) And then someone shared Raoul Coley's post, which is public, saying Nish Kumar hasn't had the worst Christmas gig of Asian comedians, let alone comedians. A bread roll is fucking nothing. <laughs> you've not had a Christmas gig, in my eyes, till you've t- turned the entire gig into a fully-fledged gender-inclusive riot. And he talks about a time in 2016 where he had a very weird gig indeed. Massive fight starts. Massive fight. You look it up. Flipping heck, it's not my story to tell. Suffice to say that this is the season that brings out the worst in people. I think because it gets darker sooner and they start drinking earlier. And we're all supposed to be really happy. But quite often are not, so we try to drown out our sorrows with drink and numb the numbness. Speaking of numbing the numbness, it is election week this week. Oh, God. (laughs) All I can say is, 
these are very strange times. If you feel angry about the way things are, for any reason, that's alright. There's lots of stuff to be angry about, I think. I'm not going to say that you probably got more just cause to be angry if you are on the left and you can see the massive inequalities in society, the increased levels of homelessness, the increased uses of food banks. I think those things, I mean, you know in your in your own heart if, if you're more upset about us still being in the European Union, you know if, if that is a thing in your heart that you can justify to yourself. I don't think many people are. I think everybody's upset with the way things are and wants something that will help sort it out. So when you go to the polls on Thursday, that's what it is. I'm not talking about going to your job in the lap dancing club. Whoop. All I'm saying is some people are saying that they are so confused and so angry and so disillusioned with the choice that they're not going to vote. I would say, please think in your heart whether or not that is a good thing to do. It's people know all about say like the suffragettes and the suffragists movements which are the women-led voting rights campaigns of the early 20th century and the late 19th century but when women got the vote in 1918 that was still not universal suffrage there were so many people fighting for your right to vote people have died there were like mass riots in in manchester and, you know, soldiers fighting on crowds because of people fighting for your your right to vote, everybody's right to vote um, as part of, you know, being of an age of majority in this, in this country. So, so it wasn't just going to be the landed gentry making decisions for the landed gentry's benefit. We all need to have our say in order to help the powers that be make decisions that affect everybody in the best way possible and it's not just about the vote it's about staying involved and i would say like this is what i really like about the country in the last three years is that some of my friends who are not political really have suddenly switched on to politics and they might not think the same way as me in fact they might have some very dodgy ideas but it's good that you've started thinking in that way and then we start thinking about sort of like intricacies of, of, about whether or not someone is good at maths who wants to be a politician which is a concern then I think hopefully that will lead you on to think about like the social differences what's led to them whether or not you have anybody representing ideas for solutions that sound like they might work or have the you know the backing of uh, research scientists I think just appreciate anybody who puts them puts themselves in, in the line of, of politics because it's hard and I couldn't do it there are a few people who do and kudos to them anyway I'm boring I'm gonna go now I am crazy and dull what's not so dull is I have a story coming out this weekend in synth and it's called toast so get a hold of that that would be awesome thank you i know that jay castleberg is also in that edition jay castleberg of annihilation fame if you've seen it on netflix 
And do check out my ridiculous calendar for the extraordinary time-travelling adventures of Baron Munchausen. I am driving myself crazy with it. Ah! Anyway, I've been Donna Scott. I'll see you next week. I'm signing out. You've been listening to The Lemonade Budget for Champagne Social Butterflies with Donna Scott. The music was It Looks Like the Future But It Feels Like the Past by Dr Turtle.